You are welcome to a great moment in destiny. God is about to speak directly to you and the message coming right up is crafted by heaven not just to challenge you but to align your destiny. As you embrace divine instruction, expect that God's word is bringing about revival, healing, restoration and transformation to your entire life. With faith in your heart and great expectation, join me and receive God's word through his choice vessel, Apostle Goodheart Obi Ekweme. If you have your Bible, please turn to Luke 2. Luke 2, we will read from verse number 40 to 49, quite a lengthy text, but it's fine because for some people not here, the only time they get to read the Bible in the week is in church, but not here. We read the Bible every day in Roger, right? Praise God. Luke 2, 40 to 49. One, two, three, go. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it, but they supposing him to have been in the company went a day's journey and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance and when they found him not they turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him and it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the doctors both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, how is it that you sought me? Wish you not know that I must be about my father's business? For an assignment this morning is Jesus still with you. If you will look into the eyes of your neighbor and ask them that puzzling question, is Jesus still with you? Father, we thank you for the reading of your holy word. We beseech you again, my Father and my God, to take a coal of fire from the altar of heaven, place upon the tongues and the lips of this seventh son of yours this hour. I hide myself behind the cross. I decree. I pray that you go over beyond my study, contemplation, and memory. And let your words go forth and let the church be edified and let the devils and devils be terrified and let Jesus alone be glorified with us always to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor that is due your name. In Jesus' wondrous name we pray. Somebody shout a big, big amen. You may be seated in God's wonderful presence. Is Jesus still with you? Yet again, as I thought and contemplated 
over this weekend what the Lord will have me speak and say to you it was only in the wee hours of the morning that this question jumped at my heart is Jesus still with you as it will be without honestly planning nor intending it to be so for the past three Sunday mornings the title of the sermons put here have been questions spoken to us as a people first and foremost the Lord asked us where is your fire praise God and secondly the Lord asked us how much are you am I prepared to take for the glory of the Lord and this morning I believe there is yet another question that God is asking us as it were is Jesus still with you I'll be very honest and very vulnerable. These questions are not just targeted to you as members of a church or members of a congregation as much as God is asking you these questions. To be honest, God is asking me that particular question. I am not preaching as one who has arrived uh, so spiritually mature that I don't need these words, but these words are tailor-made for you and for me. It may surprise you that in the course of the week and days, I've taken time to go back online to hear the same message preached here two Sundays, three Sundays ago to digest what it was that God spoke through my mouth. It wasn't me speaking, it was God speaking through my mouth saint in the process of listening to those messages i've had a uh, due cause to also repent in certain areas of my life i would like to believe that as it is true with me your pastor the preacher it is also true with you i want to beseech you i want to beg you not to allow these words to just rest upon us as a new sermon or another sermon preached here in church but to receive this as a now word as a now sound that god is releasing over us as a people we mustn't be those kind of people who have itching ears who are always looking and listening to hear a new sermon when god speaks prophetically in this man in this regard we ought to go back again and again like the Berean Christians and hear the word again and again because faith comes only by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord what these sermons and these messages ought to do to us is to engage our hearts in an ongoing dialogue between you and the Holy Ghost and by them God is pointing his such light in certain areas certain aspect of your lives that require your alignment require your shaping up because when we look into the mirror of God's word the person we see in the mirror of God's word is Christ and what we are supposed to do is to align ourselves to the image of the person in Christ somebody shout a big big amen saints the natural immediate response that most believers will give to this question is Jesus with you is but of course he's with me I'm born again I'm, I'm tongue speaking I'm heaven bound and I quite agree with you that is theologically sound because the Bible declares in Hebrews 13 verse 5 that he will never leave you nor forsake you based on that understanding it is good to have that revelation that Jesus is committed to being with you in season 
season and out of season whether you are in the valley whether you're on the mountaintop whether you're going through rough pathways that Jesus is committed to being with you whether you're smack bang in the middle of storms and tempests and billows Jesus is committed to being with you that is theologically sound and you must hold that revelation that he will never leave you nor forsake you but I dare say, upon closer examination, one begins to see that the question asked us is intended to prod our heart to a deeper level of thinking to see that it's not just what we think it is. In other words, this question calls for more contemplation before you give an answer that Jesus is with me. The real answer is uh, targeted at asking whether or not you are walking in intimacy with Jesus as you ought to walk. Because the question is not, is Jesus with you? No. The question is, is Jesus still with you? That word still is emphatic speaking of a specific timeline. Is Jesus still with you? The implication is that perhaps you've been in a place in your walk with God of intimacy and as we begin to see in the past few teachings uh, if you were at level 10 yesterday in your prayer life you're now at level 7, level 6 uh, in the eyes of God you and I have backslid if you were at level 7 in one area of your life yesterday and you're level 4 or 3 today you and I in a sense have backslid and we ought to repent, to rise up again to where we were and try Trust God to go beyond to exceed where we were. Because the Bible declares for the saint and the believer that as many who walk with God, according to Proverbs 4.18, the path of a just man shines brighter and brighter and brighter, even to the day of perfection. So God expects you and I to enjoy increasing shining, increasing glory. Like the Lord asked us some days ago, where is your fire? That was begging for our answer regarding our level of intimacy with God. I believe this particular question is also begging for an answer asking us where is the level or what is the level of our intimacy with God saints I don't know about you but I don't know what it is about saints and believers I found a pattern that ought not to be that we got born again many years ago some one some five some ten fifteen thirty forty fifty maybe perhaps but you know somehow along the line I don't know what it is but as you began to journey in the pathway of life for many people not for all but for most people to some extent somehow or the other the flame or the fire or the passion they began with somehow begins to flicker, begins to dwindle, begins to wane. Uh, lukewarmness set in, a level of spiritual coldness set in and the spirit of the age and the spirit of the times we live in that begins to set in because the Bible declares in Matthew 24, 12 and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. So the spirit of the age of lukewarmness of spiritual coldness begins to set in saints this ought not to be so we find this amongst believers individually but we also find this corporately in many local assemblies many gatherings that call themselves churches and congregations somehow or the other as we look at the 28 chapters of the acts of the apostles or if you like the act of the holy ghost we can somehow see that we're not quite 
experiencing what they experienced in those 28 chapters. How it is that the shadow of the servant of God will raise the dead. Great mighty boggling testimonies and miracles were wrought there by the hand or handkerchief of Apostle Paul. Many were healed. All kinds of miracles. One preached for one day called Apostle Peter. 3,000 gave their life to Christ on the crusade ground. Well, we see a measure of that today, but I'm saying for all intent and purposes, the Bible declares the glory of the latter house shall increase beyond the latter house. So, really, really, what was seen and wrought and done in Acts of Apostles is supposed to be uh, really a dress rehearsal compared to what God is said to do, not in the former reign, but in the latter reign that you and I are under now. But why is it that many people are going through lukewarmness and spiritual coldness? We need to begin to ask ourselves, what exactly made the church of the first century walk in the kind of power and the kind of glory they walked in? The believers of that generation were very, very sacrificial. They were very, very committed in their walk with God. They had a sense of great indebtedness to Jesus Christ for the great price he paid for their salvation. And they went all the way in their service, in their dedication, in their devotion, knowing fully well that the life they were living is no longer their life, but the life that God gave them to live. And God desired to live his life, or Christ desired to live his life through them. And they so were selfless, they were so committed and dedicated and devoted. But we come to our day's church. <laughs> if you agree with me, we are a people who have come to the place where the church has to be convenient. It must be comfortable to go to church. It must be convenient to serve God. If I suffer any kind of inconvenience of simply skipping a meal, not having meat or chicken in my soup, we feel that we have suffered affliction for Jesus. Mm. Uh, if, if we sleep in, in a house of one bedroom we feel oh we have been persecuted for the Lord <laughs> so used to comfort so used to convenience and I believe this sense in itself has tended to weaken the strength and the power that God seeks to push through the church of the day and the age we live in now what we've come to see to be normal Christianity is not normal Christianity. Normal Christianity is that you, somebody is sick, they go to the hospital, they get treated, they get well. That's not normal as far as the Bible is concerned. Normal is if ever you get sick, you believe God, stand on the word, you get healed. Koto sananta siyata. Said, is there any sick among you? James said, that means for all intent and purposes, nobody's designed to be sick in heaven. But if there's any, call him forth. Let the elders pray for him. Anoint him. If he has committed any sin perchance, he'll be forgiven. And guess what? And Jesus or God will raise him up. That's normalcy. Normal Christianity is that the church or believers who believe these signs shall follow them. My God, they will speak in other tongues. They will lay their hands upon the sick and the sick shall recover. They will drink of anything deadly. They will not be sick. Normal Christianity is that I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over every power of the devil and nothing, nothing shall by any means hurt you. That's normal Christianity. 
No more Christianity. Things are breaking down around you. But by the hand of God that says touch not, you are preserved from Ebola, from cancer, from typhoid, from COVID-19. That is real, normal Christianity. But when somebody testifies of such things today, mouths are open. Ah, really? When you testify as how God intervened in your situation and circumstance that was clearly supernatural, ah, ah, are you faking it? You know what? People are used to a fake normal. And I refuse under God to accept what is going on around the world to be what men call the new normal. Shatakaya. COVID-19 is not about to change what normal Christianity is. It is supernatural. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Beloved, my conclusion is that, please listen to me. Or listen to the Lord through my words is that the modern day church, my God, I feel this, has received some kind of syllabus, <laughs> some kind of syllabus, track with me, whether through teachings directly or indirectly, whether through postulations. The syllabus is such that you got born again on fire, koto sayata. But you come into church, my God, you open your heart to the syllabus that is now available in church, many of which are adopted catchphrases from motivational speakers. Many of which have been uh, feel-good statements that are really, really not based on scripture. Wrong syllabus. We capture this syllabus and the syllabus begins to weaken our fire. We read something in Acts, but they tell you, don't worry, it's not happening again. And the syllabus is such that it's cheers, greed, and covetousness. The syllabus is such that it keeps your gaze on what you can get from God and not what God demands from you as his child and his son. Faulty syllabus. It's natural to be born again and go into a typical church. The discipleship model is such that naturally it will quench the fire you began with. You will simmer down. But it's time to return to the original syllabus. Is found in the Acts of Apostles. That is normal Christianity. You see, that syllabus you find in church will either cause your flame to become gentle, not too hot, not too cold, or the flame will be non-existent. So the syllabus tends to make you position yourself where <laughs> you're not too churchy to be worldly, but you're not too worldly to be churchy. 
the question is asked, how far away can I go from purity, from sanctity, from holiness, and still be heaven ready? Katosa. That's a syllabus. How far can I have the things of this world and still have the things of God? That's a syllabus. But we have to change the narrative and re restore or be restored to the original syllabus. Since your house, this church, is called a house of revival. We can't be a house of revival and be amongst people who are not revived, need to be revived. If you're called a house of revival, it ought not to be a name tag or a cliche or whatever it is. No, it ought to be an experience that when you walk into those doors, by the virtue of the syllabus, gather, equip, activate, and release, you will grow. Your fire will grow from grace to grace from glory to glory somebody shout give me back the fire there are three things I want to point out very quickly we're almost there in the modern church that I have identified as part of the challenge with the syllabus of this present day church number one please write down number one our modern day church has a very strong emphasis and syllabus on what I call needs mentality. Needs mentality. Our typical modern day church is postured and positioned to address needs of people. In fact, when we talk about your needs, it's really a way to call you into church. We are addressing your needs. I stumble across, as I usually would, uh, a particular Facebook, you know, one of those things you find here and there. And the lady who was supposed to be some kind of prophetess, you know, kept on happening on how, you know, when you know this, you'll be delivered, blah, 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 blah. I mean, I, I, I listen and all, no scripture, nothing. All it was, we're here to solve your problems. And by the way, it's not a bad thing to have needs and have God meet it. He's there to meet your needs in a sense. But it's beyond being your spiritual vending machine. He's a God of relationship. He's a God who desires fellowship and the intimacy with his people. He wants to talk to you. He wants to whisper to you. He wants to be able to place certain demands on you. And you gladly say, God, I love you enough to go to Afghanistan. I love you enough to lay down my Mercedes Benz. I love you enough to stay up seven night at a midnight cry. I love you enough to do, to say what you have for me to do. I love you enough. The motivation is not legalism, but I love you more than enough. That's a motivation. Track with me. Needs a mentality. Oh, don't get me wrong. There is a pattern to get your needs met. Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that the Gentiles are running helter-skelter, they will come your way. It was spoken about a king called Uzziah in 2 Chronicles 26 and 5. King Uzziah, he became a king at age 16. So then he sought God in the days of Zechariah. Keyword, he sought God who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long, oh boy, and as long as he sought God, guess what? God made him to prosper. 
So the issue is, is a cat before the horse or the horse is before the cat. Our generation says our needs should be before our seeking. But God says, no, seek first, then your needs will follow. Needs, needs. That's why in many flyers I see, it, it talks about your miracle. Uh, miracle, breakthrough, signs and wonders. Nothing wrong with that. But how I wish I can find on a fly that says, come to church, your life will be transformed. God will deal with your nasty habit of masturbation, fornication, lying, cheating, willing and dealing. How I wish, why? Those things are more brutal for the destiny of a man than the things I see. You know the power it takes to shift a man from being addicted to crack? You know what it, what it takes? That's power. That's real, real power, sir. Real power. I mean, the testimonies that gladden my heart is when I hear, oh, I struggled for seven years dealing with masturbation, lesbianism, homosexuality, adultery, fornication. But as I gave myself to the teachings, no laying of hands may be, no spitting, no coughing, no kicking, but just the word, the word came and changed that life. That is power. You may not see it, but that's power. You may not see that you're becoming more content than you were, that's power. Truth be told, many of us, oh boy, we struggle with covetousness and greed. But somehow, in the course of teachings and teachings, our taste buds are changing. We are learning what it means to be content and still be godly. That's power. I said one day unashamedly on, on some uh, social media thing I was preaching. I said, hey, the shirt I'm wearing right now cost me maybe 20 or $30. Guess, nah, I think really less. I'm just trying to be, make myself look good. Maybe 15, 20. Guess what? And I bought that shirt from Walmart. I can't. It looks good, baby. And I don't care. Jilt. It's cotton. It's cotton. Be Walmart, be Matt Wall, be Gucci, be Jiki, be GQ. Listen, it's the man on the inside that makes what I'm wearing. That's contentment. Don't drive up to church and say, oh, look at Pastor Danderson's car. How I wish. No, sir. Don't wish for his car. Thank God for your legs. You look at a sister's handbag. Ooh, is that a real LV or is it a fake one? Is that the real or the, what degree of fake is that? Listen, mind your business. Be content with your own bag and stop suffering from lookery. Godliness with contentment is great gain. By his grace, this boy is contented. I'm not trying to be the best preacher, not trying to be the most popular preacher, not trying to raise the biggest church. No, sir. By God's grace, this boy wants to run his lane. Whatever it is. I never cooked up DPPA. He woke me up and gave the vision. I never thought of radio stations now. We're on 23. They're being paid sweatlessly. It's not ambition, it's a God-inspired vision. Contentment. Needs. Needs. Can you for once 
Thank God for what you have left. Maybe you lost some things. The reason why you lost them, I can tell you, is the devil. John 10, 10. He comes to kill, to steal, to destroy. But I tell you something. The reason why you have not lost everything is because God was on your side. He comes to give life, life in abundance. Contentment. I've worn this shoe for so many years. It's called training for reigning. In Zaria, as a young Christian growing up, I went to school. I'm not sure with how many suitcases of clothes. I loved clothes as a teenager. The Lord said, begin to give out. Give out. Give out. Give out. I probably at some point ended with maybe three shirts, four pants, something like that. Just being, you know, something along that range. They began to prune my taste buds. It was such prunings that made me come to a point where I can eat food and not know whether meat is there. My wife still, she still begs me to eat meat today. That pudding is still worrying me till now. You put three, I'll take one. I say, I beg, it's, 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 it's reconfigured, taste boards. I know you're believing God for a big house. Be content with what you have it now. Stop murmuring. Stop complaining. But your kids are in early second primary school. Some other person is in the Netherlands, huh? a British Academy, or whatever it is. Hey! You will get there. It's a matter of time. Godliness with contentment. I think God is telling us something here. Contentment is what great gain. That's profit in the eyes of a God. Number two thing that is not right with our syllabus is the do it mentality. What do I mean by that regarding to the syllabus? Listen carefully. Oh, sorry, not do it. Do it for me mentality. Write down. Do it for me mentality. What does that mean? You see, the tendency is that uh, people come to church and they really expect that the um, so-called fivefold ministers of the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist, all they are called to do, of course, people like Pastor Danison, Pastor Bimbo, Pastor Danesra, Pastor Deborah, we, all we do is just, we just sit down in the house, we pray, 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 pray for you. And we'll come, we preach, preach, preach for you. What you do? You sit, you sit, you sit, you go back. Wrong syllabus. God has no grandchildren. I don't care how anointed a man of God is. Your man of God may be. He will not be able to put food in your mouth. In eating, you have to learn to eat. By yourself, sir. So the syllabus of our day and age is, we have made preachers, uh, herbalists, and talismans and taliban uh, so like Saul had his misasses says let us go to Samuel uh, give Samuel some little money and Samuel will inquire of God and show us the way to go that's 
the modern syllabus what that does is it takes responsibility from believers to grow so they depend upon their pastor when the devil kicks at midnight hour instead to rise and say in the name of Jesus Christ you are rebuked they are thinking how can I call papa how can I find mama saints you get what any preacher has got that's the Holy Ghost you have to learn to pray you have to learn to wait upon the Lord learn to speak the word guess what greater is he that is in you not just in the apostle pastor prophet pastor teacher no in you but today our churches are filled with people running to church to see one mama or papa as though he's a herbalist people may not like this but at least I'm a preacher myself so it's okay I'm talking about people like me right what am I saying wrong syllabus please don't get me wrong don't go to an overboard or extreme there is a place of honor upon those whom God has honored there will be battles you face in life you have to learn to play a hookup call agree with me hello somebody man of God I'm going to stand with me that's fine but not to force seven as though your past has become Jesus. No, sir. Number three, syllabus. That's why by God's grace, I believe, I believe. Next month, the Lord will have us emphasize a bit more closely at the issue and the subject of discipleship. Because it's time for us to grow from boys to man ah, yeah, 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 yeah. so we can say like Isaiah 8 18 I and the children that thou hast given me were for what signs and for wonders you and your children they're for signs and for wonders I and my children biological and spiritual were for what signs and wonders declare with me I am for signs and for wonders. Hallelujah. Number three, the modern day syllabus is such that minimal emphasis has been made on challenging the church, listen carefully, to go for personal encounters with God. Personal encounters. Encounters with God helps you to build history with God. I was hungry here. I found the scriptures. I stood. I believed. That's a point. You know, when you have encounters with God, you can say, like David, when the lion came, the Lord helped me to tear the mouth of the lion. When the bear rose, the Lord helped me to tear the mouth of the bear. Now you Goliath, the same God that helped me yesterday against the lion, that's encounter, against the bear, that's encounter, will help me against Goliath. There's history of encounters. Is that all right? All right. Let me move on. Go to round up in five minutes. Is Jesus still with you? You're wondering what was that question all about? Dearly beloved, as we take a look at our text, we find that one of the dangers in life is to make an assumption 
that Jesus is still with you when he's not with you. Assumption that is pleased with you when he's not pleased with you. Assumption that he approves what you're doing, what you're saying, when he does not. Our text in Luke 2.42. And when he was 12 years old. Ah, yeah, yeah. And they went to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. Hear carefully. When they had fulfilled the days as they returned. Somebody said returned. I didn't hear you return. All right. The child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew it not. Wow. Think about it. Can you imagine my wife and I, we go to Lagos. Just imagine with our children, biological, to see an auntie. And we see the auntie. Then we're returning back to Abuja right now, okay? And assuming there were four children that went with us. And we get into the plane. Only three got on the plane. We flew into Abuja. And we landed at Abuja and realized, wait a minute. Where is the fourth child? But all along through the flight, we assumed all four were aboard. Mary and Joseph assumed wrongly that Jesus was with them when he was not with them. You must be careful of the assumptions you make as a child of God. And too many times we make the assumption that he's with us because we're seeing results. Results never prove the endorsement or the affirmation of Jesus. In fact, ironically, the devil can give results to mislead people. Ah, it's a hard one. It's a hard one. Look at this, verse 44 of our text. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, oh boy, I'm out of time, went a day's journey and they sought him among oh, their kinsfolk and acquaintance. You know, you think that he will be within a familiar environment. Because everything looks beautiful, it must be Jesus. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. We need to be sensitive about the movement of the Holy Ghost. Hear what the Bible says in Matthew 7 20. We'll pray and praise. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many shall say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have we cast out devils. And in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Intimacy. Depart. From me, ye that work iniquity. Here, Jesus was saying, my emphasis in my walk with you is 
intimacy, relationship. Thank God for the works and the miracles around. But what I really want from you is intimacy. You know what? We read in our text. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Help me, Lord. And Mary and Joseph returned. That word returned is akin to the word repent. Return. Repent. Penthouse. You go back from where you fell from the top. Repent. Return. So when you check around you, you don't find the pleasure of Jesus. The endorsement of Jesus. The delight of Jesus is in any area of your life. What you do is to return. Repent. One day I, I trust God to preach on repentance. It's a powerful tool and a powerful key to revival. True repentance. They return. Guess what? It took them three days three days to return back to meet Jesus. There's no length of time that is too long to return back to your first love. Whatever it takes, go on a retreat one day, two day, whatever it takes, fast and pray. Whatever it takes, lay down sacrifice, whatever, 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 return. And when they return, he said, don't you know I must be about my papa's business? I believe the father's business today is to see hell depopulated and heaven populated. We heard about the harvest and many of us are praying for our harvest. That's fine. The four months of harvest, the breakthrough, the this, the that, that's fine. But you know, if we focus on his harvest souls he will focus on our harvest as it were quote unquote i must be about my father's business can you rise for just one minute before house of judah leads us in 10 minutes of ecstatic davidic praise hallelujah in whatever area this word has gotten to you it's gotten to me ask the lord for his help in particular you're here you're not born again or you're log on across the nations now or later when this will be played and you don't know Jesus, let's pray together for you wherever you are, whether on site or online. Before we praise God, will you pray with me? Let's pray my brother, my sister. Heavenly Father, we're praying now. Heavenly Father, let's join them. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you just as I am. I open the door of my heart as I invite you. Forgive me all of my sins from today I decree and declare that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. Lamb of glory, I give you the praise and the glory that is due your name. In Jesus' wondrous name, I have prayed. Now, lift your hand and say, Lord, make me an instrument of your praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All you need is a clap, a mouth, and a jump, and a dance. You have just experienced the preaching and teaching ministry of Good Heart Obi Ekweme, lead pastor of Revival House of Glory International Church, Rogic, and the apostolic leader of the Horn of Revival Ministry, a global outreach ministry mandated to carry the touch of revival across cities and nations. If you would like to ask a question, 
share your prayer request or testimony or get more messages or books from Apostle Goodheart, please call or text 0805-223-4444 or email info at rogic.org. That is info at rhogic.org. Also download the Horn of Revival Ministry app on Google Play or Apple Store to connect with a variety of quality resources including Rogic Radio and our refreshing daily devotions to take you higher in life. And for real-time ministry, you can follow Apostle Goodheart on Twitter. The handle is at Pastor Goodheart. And on Instagram, the handle is at Apostle Goodheart. Keep hearing the Word of God. It will produce intimacy with your spirit for uncommon encounters on the earth.